0: Welcome back to Stack Trace, the podcast that is all about life and technology from two developers' perspectives. And those developers are me, John Sundell, and my good friend, Mr. Guy Rambo. How's it going, Mr. Rambo? I'm
1: great, John. How are
0: you? I am great as well. And we are recording here now, just like an hour or so after Apple's California streaming iPhone 13 event just wrapped up, well, it wasn't just the iPhone 13, but I guess we could say that that was the star of the show, right? Yeah, I I guess that's the case. (laughs) So today we're going to provide some kind of first reactions, some quick takes, as people call it, or hot takes. I don't know how hot they will be, but we will see uh, and get into it and talk about the event and what was announced. And of course, over the next couple of weeks, months, we will continue to discuss these technologies. And once we get our hands on the devices and so on, of course, it's going to be a lot more information and and opinions. Uh, But before we start breaking down the Apple event and what was announced, uh, Rambo, what have you been up to? Same as last week. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's keep the updates short, except that everything is doing great. Customer set is off the charts and all of the good stuff. <laughs> Perfect.
0: I have a slightly longer update, if you don't mind. No I'm worries. not going to go into like a Swift architecture here. Well, I don't know, maybe, we'll see. <laughs> but uh, let's keep it short because we do have a lot of things to talk about around the Apple events. But I did want to mention that I just last Friday ran a combined workshop. Mm. And this was uh, the first workshop I had been running Uh, since before the summer, because during the summer I typically take a little bit of a break from workshops. There's not that much demand from companies to do workshops during the summer because of, uh, you know, holidays and and all that stuff. So now it's kind of uh, kicking off again, the workshop season, and this combined workshop is a new workshop that I've been building, and I ran it for the first time this Friday, Uh, and it was really, really a lot of fun. Uh, But I must say that it was uh, a bit challenging to put the workshop together and to run it as well, because... I typically run workshops that are about either like Swift UI or iOS development in general or like UIKit advanced techniques and and things like that, app architecture. You see, I I, I did mention (laughs) app architecture after all. (laughs) Uh, And those are kind of all relatively visual topics, especially if you're talking about Swift UI, you can run those kinds of workshops in a very fun, visual, creative way where you can introduce some APIs and techniques and and things like that, and then people can go off and actually experiment with that and build some fun UIs and kind of express themselves and be creative. Uh, But when it comes to a topic like Combine and when you're just focusing just on Combine and asynchronous programming for a whole day... It's not that easy to to let people be creative with that because you know <laughs> you you probably have to provide some kind of API or some kind of, you know, web service that people should talk to or some specific combined API they should use and then it became a little bit more, you know, scripted or I had to provide specific data sources that people would use and that was quite challenging to put a, together a whole day workshop that was still engaging and fun and and things like that even though I needed it to be a little bit more constrained compared to something that is completely visual. But I don't want to review my own workshop. That's, of course, up to the attendees. But I think, <laughs> just from my perspective, I'm very happy with how it turned out. And I'm looking forward to doing more combined workshops in the future.
1: Yeah, you, you showed me some of the material that you used for the workshop. And I must say, I, I think it, it looked great. Like I, I think if I was at the workshop uh, and I and I saw that material, I would probably like it. Uh, you showed those... Kind of like, not exactly like flowcharts, is there a name for that? Kind of like a timeline, right?
0: Like a diagram, yeah. right? Like a visualization?
1: Yeah, diagram. Wow, that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> so you showed me that, and, and I mentioned to you that I when I was learning functional reactive programming for the first time in the context of Rx Swift, that was something that uh, really helped me in the beginning to get a a grasp on on how the different operators and the different functions apply. So I think any workshop where you can leverage that aspect of functional reactive programming is probably going to help a lot of people if they're just getting started, especially.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think whenever you're doing any kind of teaching, I think visualization is really, really important. Like showing code is something I do for like 90% of the workshop. You know, I don't like to have a lot of slides or to basically give a presentation because if I'm going to give a presentation, I might as well just do a conference talk or like a YouTube video or something. When I'm doing a workshop, (laughs) I want it to be completely like interactive and that people get to write code themselves also, not just follow along exactly what I do. Uh, But it is important, I think, to visualize things. And especially when you're starting... Uh, like you mentioned, like to have some kind of visualization around what does it mean for a publisher to emit values over time, right? Because that that concept can sound very abstract, but once you start visualizing it, then you show kind of um, how those values can be emitted, like on a graph or on a timeline, that can be a lot easier to understand. And along those lines, one tip I want to share here uh, that I also shared during the workshop, and I kind of realized as I was preparing this workshop has been very helpful for me uh, when I I was learning reactive programming and combine specifically was when you're building up like a combined pipeline with different operators so let's say you're you using like URL session dot shared you're saying data task publisher to start downloading some data from a URL then you say dot map to data because you want to extract the data then you say dot decode and so on right you have this pipeline you're building up which might consist of You know, anywhere from like a couple of operators to maybe even 15, 20 different operators, depending on how complex of a data transformation pipeline you want to build. And when you're doing that in this context, and and even in production too, I would say, it's really helpful to put a little comment next to each operator. So if you structure a code where each operator, like each dot operation, like dot decode, dot map, dot flap map, will be on a separate line to put a little comment next to that line saying, what is the current output of this particular publisher or this operation? So for example, when we do the data task example, the first comment would just say, uh, this this will output a tuple of data in URL response, and then if you map to data, the output will now be data. So you will say comment data. Then when you decode into like a response struct, for example, you could say here's a comment. Now the output type is response, and I find that really helpful to kind of visualize uh, combine pipelines that way. And and I think the attendees found that really helpful in the workshop too, because like I mentioned, it can get really abstract, and it can get hard to keep track of like. What, what is the current output right now that we're working with? And sometimes the compiler is not very helpful there either and just throw some kind of really obscure error. So that is a little tip that I want to share here to, to add those comments next to your operators, especially when you're learning. It can be a really, really good way to kind of really visualize what your output of your pipelines is.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I would have loved to have attended your workshop. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I can give you private lessons one Mm, day, Rambo. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I I feel fairly confident with Combine, uh, but I do get that feeling that I'm not using it to its fullest potential just yet.
0: Yeah. And I think that's fine, to be honest. Like we've mentioned this many times on this podcast that just because we have some specific tool or some specific powerful API doesn't mean that we have to use it, right? Like if your code gets the work done, if you feel comfortable maintaining it, if you know what's going on, if it's not causing a lot of bugs, then mission accomplished, right? Yeah, It doesn't mean that you have to use more advanced aspects. In fact, it can sometimes be worse to use more advanced aspects, especially if you don't feel like that's the code style that you want to use, then things can get really complicated and hard to maintain.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think that's a really good advice. And given that you have quite a bit of combined experience, uh, I will listen to you. (laughs) Cool. Sounds
0: good. (laughs) Great. So I think that's all of our updates for this week. We'll, of course, continue next week to dive more into our work and and what we've been up to and, and more technical things. But This week, we want to focus on Apple's California streaming event that, like I mentioned, just wrapped up an hour or so ago as we record. So this will be our first impressions. Uh, And of course, we have to start with our poker game that we played last week. Uh, So just to remind everybody, we always play poker, keynote poker, before every Apple event, where we bet on what we think Apple might announce. And we did that last week, uh, betting on this week's event. And it's time to reveal the results. So uh, we made a total of 10 bets um, because we had five rounds and we each made one bet per round. And the first bet we made was that the iPhone will get a higher refresh rate screen. And that happened. Uh, We then were betting on that we will get an iPhone with always on display features, which we didn't get and I know, Rambo, that you are particularly disappointed about this fact that we didn't get any always-on features in any of the new iPhones. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we'll get into it.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, we also didn't see any kind of satellite communication features, at least not in the keynote. We we have yet to see any kind of teardowns or additional documentation or things like that, which of course didn't count for the poker game anyway, but it remains to be seen if there are any satellite communication features in the new iPhones. Uh, we did get an Apple Watch with a larger display as we were also predicting and at least one of the new iPhones has a smaller notch. That also happened. In fact, I think all of them has have a smaller notch, right? That's true, yeah. And then I made this bet that we will see a trailer for a new Apple TV Plus series and we didn't just see one trailer. <laughs> we saw <laughs> a reel with like clips from many, many different trailers and at, at least I, I think that counts. Right, Rambo? Yeah,
1: I think the technical term is a scissor reel.
0: Right, right. But would you say that that counts as as uh, the point will be awarded? Yeah, they did show
1: some shows that are not out yet, so I would say that's a point.
0: Okay, cool. It's not just one point, it's five points <laughs> for, for me and three <laughs> points for you. Um, we also saw a new iPad mini with an iPad Air-like design. And the iPhone model lineup remained the same as last year's. And that was all of our kind of standard bets. And then we move into our all-in round. We were both betting five points that no max would be announced at this event. And we didn't see any max at all. And then I made this very confident bet saying that I think Apple would call the new iPhone chip, which we now know is the A15, as Apple Silicon. But they never mentioned that phrase as far as I know. I do not remember
1: Apple Silicon being mentioned or even shown on on any slides. So, yeah, that didn't happen.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either, Uh, which is interesting. I really thought that they would kind of double down on that branding, but it seems like like the AN, like A15 this time, is strong enough branding for the iPhone chips. Yeah, indeed. So, summing up all of those points, uh, you, Rambo, you got drumroll. roll. Nineteen points. Ooh. Which is really great. Nice. And I got another drum roll. Twenty-one points. Mm. So it was very, very close, very even, but I did end up winning.
1: Nice. Congratulations. And I'm I'm happy that we both got quite a few points, right? Not minus points or not like close to zero this time. We we were close and, and Both of us got around 20 points, so that's good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm very, very happy with the results of this game, and I also don't think we played it too safe, because it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be fun if we got maximum points. Like, we bet five on everything, and everything happened, right? That wouldn't be a fun game. So it was really, like, it's always a good sign when I'm summing up the points, and I feel like I have to double and triple check, and I'm kind of nervous, what will it be? I don't know, like, very curious to find out. That's, like, a really good sign that we had a good game, and I definitely had that feeling this time, so... Really great game. I'm of course happy that I won, but I'm maybe even more happy or actually more happy that we both got great scores. So, yeah, that was a fun game. And now let's move on to the actual announcements, shall we? We shall. All right. (laughs) So we can go in chronological order and we can start by the... The name of the event was California Streaming. And Apple opened with this California kind of themed music video... And they really wanted to remind everybody that they are, in fact, a California-based company. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was very clear from this event. I I, I like
0: that. Yeah, I-, I like it too. I I like when they are using like the nature around them. Like, of course, they are using it for the Mac OS names, right? Like with mm-hmm. with places in California and with nature and things like that, and the the Mac OS backgrounds featuring these kinds of um, places. Uh, but it's also nice, like when. When they are like showcasing this kind of you know atmosphere and environment, and I, I felt like that was a very nice kind of fun opening, also with that music video.
1: Yeah, definitely the music video, especially I think, was a good way to start the event rather than like a
0: an attempt
1: at making a funny intro, uh, which they usually fail at. <laughs>
0: right, and I feel like that's more like a WWDC thing because they can make more like developer focused humor because the audience is developers. Well. We've always been debating that, right? Whether the (laughs) keynote is for developers or not, but at least it's more developer-themed overall. But for these kinds of events, I can imagine it can sometimes be tricky for them to come up with a good opening which isn't just tim saying hello for the you know good 500th morning. time
1: yeah <laughs> good morning <laughs> uh i one thing i would like would be like something involving ted lasso uh let's say like there's a developer and, and their code won't compile or or their app is not working or something and then ted lasso gives them a pep talk like you can do this you got this keep going, (laughs) those types of things, and with a huge, like, uh, Believe wallpaper or something.
0: (laughs) Maybe the uh, next Apple service will be Ted Lasso Plus, that you can have an AR Ted Lasso in your room, giving you coaching and positive reinforcement. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. That would be good for Fitness Plus, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. (laughs) So after that music video, we had that uh, Apple TV... What did you call it? Sizzle reel? Yeah. And I th- I felt that, that that was a really nice thing. Uh, of course, I was, uh, like we mentioned during our poker game, I was really expecting this. And I think it was striking a nice balance between spending too much time on it versus not mentioning it at all. Like, I felt like those kind of quick cuts and just mentioning some of the highlights and mentioning some of the premieres that are coming up, I think th- that for me was a, was a really nice balance spending just the right amount of time on Apple TV+, Plus, I think.
1: Yeah, I think that was well-balanced, uh, and it makes sense to start with that. You, That's when you might be getting a lot of people who don't know what they're watching, watching and what you want to sell to those people is something you can sell to anyone, pretty much, which is TV stuff. Uh, so I guess it makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of marketing and, and the target audience to start with that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just like the California music video, I felt like it was a nice energizer, right? Like it's, it, it puts you in a nice kind of mood uh, with, with, with those trailers and things like that. And there's a lot of cool TV shows that I'm really looking forward to. Like with all these streaming services now, I feel like there's this really big, like new movement with sci-fi, like there's so much new sci-fi content coming out, like new TV shows and things like that. And I am a huge sci-fi fan. I watch almost all sci-fi I can get. If it's not horror, because I'm too scared for that. <laughs> but but normal sci-fi I love. And uh, there's a lot of new things in Apple TV Plus coming up, including foundation and things like that, that I'm very, very look- much looking forward to. Yeah, me too. So let's now move into the actual devices then. And the first thing we saw was a new baseline iPad, the kind of classic spec bump to the iPad without any suffix. Indeed.
1: uh, What I really liked about this iPad, even though it's not really for me, uh, I think it's more for education and other professional uses, where it doesn't make sense to have a more powerful iPad. Uh, what What really impressed me is the amount of features that they've included, including center stage.
0: Yeah, and that feels like something that has been trickling down from the Pro model quicker than I think most would have expected. And I'm thinking that now Apple might have had enough time since the COVID pandemic started to, actual, to actually make changes to the actual hardware, or well, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, they did include this uh, on the new iPad Pro with the M1 chip, and there was a lot of speculation around what does that mean, like the what does this feature need that this device has and the others don't, and there was speculation around the true-depth camera system and the M1 chip, and clearly... None of those are a requirement. I guess the only requirement for this is the larger field of view camera that's present on, on this iPad and the other devices that have this feature.
0: Yeah, exactly. And just to clarify what I meant there, that this is pandemic focus is because a lot more people are doing video calls these days, yeah. right? So it, it feels like, this is maybe a hardware feature they were planning all along, but it feels like some of these features have been accelerated because of the shift to remote work and people doing a lot more video calls than ever before. And it's great to have that in the baseline iPad. Like the fact that center stage is now like available pretty much on all iPads is it on also on the new ipad mini and and is yep. it on the iPad air?
1: It is on the new iPad mini, it's not on the new iPad Air, because the new iPad Air is old, <laughs> it's from last year, Right. Uh, it's not new anymore, but I'm guessing we'll see like a, an update to the new iPad Air, probably with the A15 processor, uh, and with the center stage feature, it, it would make a lot of sense now, and that doesn't have to be during an event, it can be just a press release.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, arguably, these changes to the iPad, like the baseline iPad, could also be a press release because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's a it's kind of a spec bump. But, you know, that's that's not to say that it's a bad thing. It's I think it's fantastic that Apple is keeping their devices up to date. And, you know, when someone walks into an Apple store and buys an iPad, they're not buying an outdated device. Like, as long as the devices are kept up to date, that's a fantastic thing for everybody, including for us developers, because that means just fewer devices to support over time.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people used to complain about Apple that they wouldn't update products until they had something big to show for it. Uh, so I think all we can do now is, is praise them for updating stuff, even when there's not like a huge new design or, or anything like that. And I mean, the baseline iPad, it's the baseline, right? It's the iPad nothing, as I've called it before. It's the iPad for education, for people who don't want to spend a lot of money on an iPad, even though it's not that cheap necessarily. But compared to the other ones, you get a lot of value out of what you pay for it. Uh, so it's yeah, it's really great that they keep it up to date and, and not wait until they have a new color or something like that to update the iPad.
0: Right, exactly. And they did drop an interesting tidbit there at the end of that segment, which was that the iPad Nothing, as you like to call it, the baseline iPad, is mm-hmm. the most popular iPad that Apple sells. Uh, was that surprising to you to hear that, or does it all make sense?
1: No, I was not surprised. I think it, it makes a lot of sense, Uh you think about like regular people buying this, and, and you, you think, well, that's a lot of people buying this. But then you think about schools and, and other applications where they buy in bulk. And I guess that's where the most popular iPad comes from. And it's also the cheapest. So it makes sense that it will be the most popular, right?
0: Yeah. And also, I get the feeling that a lot of people who are not like super into technology and are super interested in comparing models and things like that when they just want to buy a device like buying the one that doesn't have a suffix that is just either Mm -hmm. called iPad or iPhone 12 in this case or 13 is kind of the the simplest choice right like so If you walk into a store and just want to buy an iPad, you are probably likely to just buy the one called iPad, right? Yeah, and also it looks
1: familiar, right? It's it's the iPad classic. Maybe that's what it should be called, the iPad classic, (laughs) because that's what I guess most people think of when you say the word iPad. They think of that design language and the home button and all of that stuff. So it's familiar, it's comfortable, it's not as expensive as the other ones. I think it, it kind of solves a problem for Apple, right? If someone shows up at an Apple store and they want an iPad. I just want an iPad. That's the iPad for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. So great stuff to, to see that Apple are keeping their devices up to date. But and now let's talk about a device that is uh, more exciting, I think, for, for for us. And I think you in particular were very excited to see that there's a new iPad mini.
1: Yes, I am really happy with this. So I was watching the keynote and and when they showed the new iPad mini, I actually, I think I tweeted, shut up and take my money.
0: (laughs) So yeah,
1: the new iPad mini has the iPad Air design language, so it doesn't have uh, the classic, the iPad classic look that I talked about. It has the modern iPad look, no home button, the uh, slimmer bezels, um, Apple Pencil second generation, and all of that good stuff. It does not have the Face ID system. It has a Touch ID button on the Sleep Wake button, so you can uh, use that to to unlock the iPad and and do that that other stuff. There are some new colors, 8.3 inches screen, USB-C, and a 5G, 5G, 5G option if if you want that. Um, I'm buying
0: this iPad, John. All right. And uh, it's funny because I think when we talked about this before you've said that you don't really have a use case for an iPad mini, right? Like it, like <laughs> there's nothing that you're doing that really like demands an iPad mini in that particular form factor because you already have many iPads I would <laughs> presume. So what kind of made you change your mind? Is it just the the hype of the new design and and how it looks or have you kind of reconsidered what you might use this for? Well, first of all, I don't have many iPads. <laughs> I have
1: <laughs> I have the um, 2019 iPad Pro, the 11-inch one. It's the one that has the LiDAR uh, sensor, so I think it's the 2019 one, the 11-inch, uh, with the keyboard and an Apple Pencil. And I have uh, uh, an iPad Classic, as I just called it, An older one that I basically just used to do performance testing on on Chibi Studio, um, because it's a slower iPad, so I can see if the app performs well there, but that's it. So my thinking right now is I don't need an iPad Pro because I don't use any of the features of the iPad Pro, uh, unless Apple comes up with Final Cut Pro for the iPad Pro and and you need the iPad Pro. But for now, I don't use anything uh, of the iPad Pro and this iPad mini it is just super appealing to me because it's like it looks like the perfect device to just have around when I want to read something on the go or just do some quick typing, uh, some quick web browsing. The even the 11 inch iPad Pro is a little bit too big for, for that more casual use, at least that's how I find it because I don't use it as much, I use it mostly. Just for reading stuff here and there and then writing some stuff here and there. So I think the iPad mini is now the right iPad for me because it's smaller and, but it has a lot of good features.
0: Yeah, well, that's awesome then. I guess for me, like when I detach my 11 inch iPad Pro from the Magic keyboard, Maybe it's just the delta in weight, like the difference, but I feel like it's super light and and super easy to use and and small enough. So I do I do that a lot. I typically use my iPad in the Magic Keyboard whenever I work on it, like when I type mm-hmm. on it and things like that. But then when I watch a video, for example, on it or just read something or browse the web or or check Twitter or whatever, like then I typically detach it and use it like that. And and then I feel like the screen size is just perfect for me. So I'm not super interested in this iPad Mini, but but still, I'm, I'm very happy it exists, and I think it looks fantastic. So, if you're into that kind of smaller form factor, that slightly smaller screen, then fantastic, that's great then.
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of people might be in the same camp as I am. Um, if you are currently a user of the iPad Pro, especially the smaller one and you're like myself, you don't use it as much uh, as you could, or you, you don't use any of the exclusive features of the iPad Pro, I would seriously consider switching. Uh, and you get to sell your iPad Pro or, or give it to, to someone.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's great also that so many of the Pro features that have been introduced over the last few years have now made their way both into the Air and now also into this Mini. So you got the second generation Apple Pencil, you've got that nice screen, you know, you've got so many of the features that, that the Pro previously had as exclusive feature. Of course, now you have different things on the Pro that separates it, but I think it's fair to say that many of the features are here present in this Mini in just the smaller form factor, which I think is fantastic, I think the more the, the the choice can just be what screen size do you want, and then you don't have to make all these trade offs around other features. I think that's great. That's fantastic because some people prefer bigger screens, some people prefer, prefer smaller screens for many different reasons. For me, eleven inches strikes like a perfect, nice middle ground because it is the middle ground. <laughs> but you know, I, I I could also see like in a different situation if I was like traveling a lot again or something, I might find the iPad Mini a bit more appealing because of the slightly smaller screen. Definitely. Great! So next up we have the Apple Watch Series 7 which uh, featured a larger, brighter screen uh, more durable, more crack resistant display as well faster charging, and some other things as well. Uh, Overall, what do you think about this update, Rambo? What do you think about the new design? And what do you think about the overall introduction of the Series 7?
1: It's not the new design we were expecting, right? Um, (laughs) Right. I would love to know what happened there, because we had very trustworthy sources like Mark Gurman saying that it would look more like the iPhone with the flat edges and things like that and that did not happen so I'd love to know what happened like did they have plans to make it like that but they had to change the plans for some reason maybe it got postponed to next year so something happened there I, I do think the, I, I don't think these people are lying or that they their information was wrong. I think their information was correct, but uh, something changed within Apple and, and they couldn't do it or, or didn't want to do it this year. But besides that, it is a significant change from, from the previous year, especially in terms of the display, which is uh, larger and brighter. And it kind of r- wraps around in a, an interesting way where uh, the, the watch faces even can take some advantage of that. Uh, it's more durable as well, then that's always useful for a watch. So in general, I'd say I'm, I'm fairly happy with it. Not sure if this is something that I'll get. Um, like upgrading from the Series 6 to this one doesn't feel like that big of an upgrade, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I have the Series 4, and... Uh admittedly, I like I've mentioned previously on this show, I don't really use my Apple Watch that much. I wear it every day, but I use it for telling the time, telling the weather, and uh, getting message notifications. And that's the only type of notifications that I have enabled now, is from iMessage. So I don't feel any really desire to upgrade. Like, I would probably keep wearing this watch until it stops working, and then I'll <laughs> buy a new one. Uh, unless there comes out with some, like, crazy new impressive feature which I haven't really seen yet from my perspective but again your mileage may vary if you are using your Apple Watch in a different way like if you're using all these sensors and you know using it in an environment where having a more crack resistant display and stuff like that will be of great advantage to you then fantastic but that's not my use case. (laughs) Uh, I, I also found it interesting that All of these uh, rumors and leaks and things like that, like you said, suggested that there would be a more flat edge screen. And then the Apple presentation was like, we took the display and we made it even rounder. Uh (laughs) So they went like in the opposite direction. And I think one thing that might have happened here, remember there were these stories around the Apple Watch potentially being delayed because there were some manufacturing problems or something like that. That might have caused some change in design or something like that. Or what do you think?
1: I don't think that's the case uh, because the Apple Watch is coming um, later in the fall. Like they haven't even announced uh, like a timeline for it. <laughs> ironically, because it's the Apple Watch. Um, <laughs> so I think the the production problems were with this particular model uh, because they were recent. Uh, so I think whatever happened that prevented them from shipping the other design idea, assuming that even existed, was something that happened even before it reached mass production. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had the time to change it, I think.
0: Yeah, it could also be something where, you know, the leaks and things like that we hear, we don't always know exactly what the timeline is. And sometimes we might hear something that is quote-unquote old news, But we're hearing it for the first time, but it happened like months ago. And that's something that happens quite a lot when we hear like two months before the iPhone will come out, there's a rumor that Apple is considering to introduce this particular sensor. But, you know, they're they're not considering it two months before mass production, right? So there might be a delay there as well.
1: Yeah, indeed. By the way, real-time follow-up again, I just ordered the iPad Mini. (laughs) Wow.
0: (laughs) That's nice. Shopping during a podcast, that's some serious multitasking there, Rambo. (laughs) I mean, I have my credit card
1: pre-saved, so that's not a problem.
0: (laughs) All right, that's awesome. Yeah, because the iPad Mini pre-orders or orders started today, right? But for the other products, those are starting later.
1: By the way, I don't know if this means anything, but... This is like a good two hours after the uh, pre-orders went live and I still got it for first day delivery. Uh, So, yep. Uh, Not sure if they have a bunch of stock or if people are not that interested.
0: Well, also, when we have those really, really intense pre-order periods, it tends to be when they are Mm pre-announced. Like the iPhone, for example, it's like it goes on sale or you can pre-order starting Friday, then everyone knows that, okay, Friday, I it starts at this particular time, everyone sets their alarms and they're ready, but when it comes, like, it's available now, right after an event, I, I typically it's not the same kind of rush to order, because people first have to figure out whether they want the device or not. Yeah, they haven't pre-warmed their credit cards yet. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that's great then. Well, looking forward to hearing your impressions of the iPad mini once you get it. Um, and you said you might order an a Series 7 as well, but that, that of course goes on sale later this fall, whenever that will be.
1: By the way, I bought it to deliver to a US address and then it's going to have to come to Brazil first. So I'm not going to have it on day one in case anyone is wondering.
0: <laughs> right, it needs to take a little luxury cruise first. It also needs to, you know... To have some relaxing before it ends up in, in exactly, you know, prepare itself for (laughs) arriving at Rambo, where it's going to be put to work and do a lot of exciting things. Or not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so next up we have the star of the show, the iPhone 13. And I know there was Apple Fitness Plus there in, in the middle, and I'm sure for some people Apple Fitness Plus is really exciting uh, neither of us are able to use it because it's not available in our countries. So I don't think it would be fair for us to have any opinions about it because we've never used it, right? Yeah. And and I don't think either of us are really the, the target audience for this type of product anyway. Or what do you think, Rambo?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's coming to Brazil with iOS 15. I think that was announced during the event or at least showed up in, in a slide. So I will definitely try it out um, when it's available here and I'll let you know what I think. But yeah, I'm not the target audience for it, but uh, I guess it it never hurts to do some exercising, right? So we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, that's right. I I would definitely also, whenever it does launch in Poland, I would definitely try it just for fun. And also I I do exercise. I just don't typically do the type of exercises that they are showing in these videos and, and things like that, like you know, working out in front of the TV doesn't really seem that appealing to me. I more prefer like running and walking in the forest and things like that, being out in nature. That's the type of exercise I prefer to do. But you know, everyone's different. I'm glad this exists for those who want a product like this. Indeed. And speaking of products, let's take a very quick break now to thank this episode's sponsor. This episode of Stack Trace is brought
1: to you by iMazing, the Mac and Windows app that lets you take control of your iOS device data. Find out more and get a special 30% limited time discount by going to imazing.com nine to five. iMazing is both easy to use and has powerful features that are super useful for both developers and non-developers alike, such as being able to make Time Machine style wireless backups of your devices, easily transfer documents, media, and content to your devices, and it also enables you to dig into system files, access device and battery diagnostics, and more. Of course, all of your data always stays local on your devices, and backups can be fully encrypted for maximum security and privacy. And for iOS developers specifically, iMazing lets you completely browse your app's container on device, and you can even push and retrieve files from both the library and documents folder of an app provisioned with a developer certificate. You can then access the device's console via either USB or Wi-Fi, and browsing iMazing Backups is a great way to understand what files that your app is actually backing up and what kind of data that you might want to exclude from backups for security or privacy reasons. Now, I use iMazing almost daily. I love using its console features to check out the console to see what's going on on my device, especially when debugging tricky stuff regarding app extensions, such as widgets. And like I mentioned, it really is a great way to check what your app is backing up and what type of data is exposed in a device backup when your app is installed. So I would highly recommend it. Also, even if you're not a developer, we're getting new devices soon, as we've been talking about during this show. And a great way to ensure that everything is transferred to a new device is to make a fully encrypted backup using iMazing, and that's what I do every year when I get my new iPhone. Now, besides their main app, the iMazing team also offers a few smaller free utilities as well, such as their hot CPU temperature monitor, their silicon tool, which displays the architecture of the apps that are currently installed on your Mac, as well as an Apple configuration profile editor. So head over to imazing.com slash downloads to download iMazing and these utilities for free. And to get a special 30% discount on your iMazing license and to help support the show, then go to imazing.com slash 9to5. This 30% discount is available for a limited time only, so don't wait too long. Once again, that's imazing.com slash 9to5. Thanks a lot to the iMazing team for sponsoring this week's episode of Trace.
0: All right, Rambo, so iPhone 13, and just like last year, we have four new models. We have the mini, we have the baseline model, or the, you know, 13 with no suffix. We have the Pro and the Pro Max. So where should we start? I think we should start from the beginning and talk about the iPhone 13 and 13 mini, of course. (laughs) All right, let's do it. And what do we have that is new this year for the 13 and the 13 mini?
1: Well, there are lots of cool things, but I think what people are excited about the most is a
0: 20% smaller notch, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's why you buy an iPhone. It's the size (laughs) of the notch. And it's slightly taller, it looks like, but it is uh, smaller on the horizontal axis. And yeah, the, the, the notch square millimeters that you get in the iPhone is the most important metric for sure.
1: The thing about it being slightly taller that I think a lot of people will complain about, but it's like one millimeter taller or something like that. um, Pretty sure they kind of had to do it, not just because of the hardware that has to fit in there, but also um, maybe it wouldn't look right right, without it it having that little bit of, tiny bit of height added to it. Uh, Sometimes that happens. And I think it still looks good. It will take some getting used to because we're so used to the way the notch looks right now that it looking different, even though it's technically smaller, takes a bit of getting used to. And I haven't yet uh, tested Chibi Studio on the simulator to see what happens with the buttons that, that that I have there. So I'll, I'll update you on the next episode.
0: Maybe you can fit even more buttons now. You can make a press <laughs> release. We put even more buttons in the ears of the phone. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah, maybe I can get
1: like the both the uh, done and cancel buttons on one side and, and leave the other side for something else. Who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, but I do agree with you. Like Whenever that area changes, like the notch area, of course, it kind of draws more attention to itself. And, you know, there was this big debate a couple of years ago now when the iPhone 10 first came out, where, you know, there was a lot of people who were against the notch and are you pro-notch or anti-notch? And there was all, all these debates. And it was kind of funny because then when everyone got their phone or people who ordered one got their phone, after like 10 minutes of using it, at least for me, I just stopped noticing the notch. Yeah. And I'm sure the same thing will be true here. And like now we're looking at these... Very, very detailed product photos or renders, they are very zoomed in. And of course, because this is a feature uh, that the notch is smaller, it's also kind of calling attention to it in the photos as well. So I'm sure that, you know, once we get these devices and we start using them, we will just be happy that the notch is smaller and stop noticing it. Yep. So the notch is smaller, but something that is bigger is the battery. Yes,
1: and supposedly that gives better battery life, which is always welcomed, uh, especially on the mini. Um, our listeners will probably remember that I got the iPhone 12 mini at first, and then I switched to the 12 Pro, and my main complaint about the 12 mini was the battery life. All, everything else about it I loved, like I loved the size, I loved the performance and, and all that good stuff, but the battery life was not good like it, it wouldn't last a normal day for me so i hope this uh, bigger battery applies to the mini and that it has a, a a visible impact on battery life
0: yeah exactly so you've got both the bigger battery and then also you've got the new a15 chip and other optimizations that they mentioned which all contributes to a pretty big boost in battery life like they were saying something around one to two and a half hours depending on which model you get better battery life than the previous year's version. And I am going to upgrade, spoiler, I am (laughs) going to upgrade to an iPhone 13 Pro from an iPhone 10. So I've had my phone now for for four years and I'm going to upgrade and I think I will see a pretty big improvement in battery life. By the way, iPhone 10, what a great device, right? Yeah.
1: I have one here that I use for testing and Every time I use it, it just feels so great to use uh, still to this day. And it's super fast. Like, it's a really good iPhone.
0: Yeah, and that's why I haven't upgraded. Like, I've really stopped uh, to think in these terms that I always have to get the latest device. You know, like, I personally don't feel like that's a goal that I have. And and if that's a goal that you have, dear listener, and I know that for you, Rambo, (laughs) you love to buy the latest and greatest, then that's fantastic. Like, everyone can... Do what they want and spend their money on what they want. But for me personally, like I am more now in the mindset that I will use a device until I feel like it's it's no longer nice to use. And to your point, like the iPhone X still feels super fast. The only thing that I feel is something I would like to be better is the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the camera also going to the 13 pro will be a huge upgrade for me as well. So, that's also the benefit of waiting for a few years is that once you do upgrade, the upgrade is just so much larger.
1: Yeah, that's true. I remember when I was not upgrading every year, it was really amazing like the feeling of getting a new device after say like 5 years of of using the same device. It really felt like the future. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, when you upgrade every year, you get the incremental um, improvements, but you don't get the big boost of like, oh, this is super new and, and super exciting. Uh, it's still exciting, of course. I love new gadgets, but um, yeah, when you wait a, a little bit, um, you really get that feeling. So if you, are dear listener, is feeling like uh, you're not getting, like, the satisfaction that you want out of your yearly upgrade, consider not upgrading and wait, like, a couple of years, maybe, maybe three years, um, and you'll see the difference.
0: Yeah, because we have to remember that, you know, this is the th- iPhone 13, right? This mm-hmm. These are mature products that have been around for a long time now, and the year-over-year upgrade is probably never going to go back to this, like, enormous delta between the previous version and the new version. Like, it used to be back in the, like, going from the 3GS to the iPhone 4. I mean, that was a huge upgrade, right? Yeah. And even further to the 5 and then to the 6. Like, these were really big upgrades. And then I was getting a new phone every time it was upgrading because it was just so much better. Uh, But now, you know, things have slowed down. And that's not to say that... In absolute terms, it has slowed down. I'm sure that, you know, a a ton of hard work was going into these new devices. And these are great upgrades. But since the devices are already so good, (laughs) it just means that they kind of incremental upgrade is smaller at least that's my opinion and i see some people sometimes complaining about that like that oh these are just minor upgrades and again like if you feel this way just wait a few years and then you will get a big upgrade like i'm gonna get now and i'm very happy
1: (laughs) yeah indeed uh talking about the colors uh so there's um a new pink finish which i won't call it pink looks more like salmon to me um Something around that. Uh, there's a new blue, which I really like. There's a new midnight, which... I re- Not midnight anything, just midnight. Uh, I, I really like that one. Starlight, which is like a um, vanilla ice cream color, I guess. <laughs> Something like that. And the uh, product red one, which looks gorgeous i i love the red
0: yeah i also love that they went to midnight and starlight like i feel like that 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 naming convention is just so much more interesting than here's another version of space gray (laughs) yeah
1: yeah absolutely um we haven't talked about the pro yet but I really wish they'd offer like a, a matte black version of the, t- oh,
0: yeah. the Pro. Uh, that would look so good. Like I yeah, like the like the jet black iPhone Seven. That was that's yeah. still probably my favorite iPhone design of all time.
1: Yeah, it would be like jet black, but inverted. Like it would be matte black. <laughs> the jet black right. was like black piano or something. And it was prone to micro abrasions. Remember that,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? I remember that. There was another big controversy that just died immediately when the device came out.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I would love that. Like I would pay extra for a matte black iPhone 12 Pro. They keep talking about like the uh, surgical grade steel. Like I'm not gonna do a surgery with my iPhone 13 Pro, like, I don't need surgery-grade steel, I want matte finish.
0: <laughs> yeah, in, in general, like, there's there's this move, it feels like, also to more shinier colors, uh, and, of course, the iPhone has always kind of been quite shiny when it comes to the edges and things like that, going back to, again, the iPhone 4, with that steel band around it and and from there, I mean there have been some years where there have been a little bit more muted colors with this anodized aluminum and so on, but it feels like now like especially in the Pro models like the shininess is really important. Yeah, that's true. And we spoke earlier about how we are happy to see Pro features kind of trickle down to the base models quicker on the iPad side of things. And here now we have this super Retina XDR display from last year's Pro models now making their way into the baseline model. And also the new optical image stabilization as well from... I believe that was only in the 12 Pro Max, is that right?
1: Yes, uh, it had like this special type of stabilization where instead of moving the lens, it would
0: move the sensor itself. Right, exactly. So yeah, it's great to see these uh, features from the Pro models now coming to the baseline. And we then also got some additional uh, information about the A15, so... In general, an an increase across the board in performance, of course, like we would expect. Uh, What's interesting uh, comparing the the base model with the Pro is that the base model and the mini of the iPhone 13 have a four-core GPU versus the Pro models that have a five-core GPU. Mm -hmm. So an extra GPU core activated, or I guess we're seeing some form of kind of binning here, right? Where the GPUs with all the cores intact get to go to the Pro, so they get better graphics performance. And then we have a four-core uh, GPU in the 13 and the 13 Mini.
1: Yeah, the list of specs should include like the CPU is not damaged,
0: <laughs>
1: right? Or the <laughs> GPU in
0: this case. <laughs> exactly, but yeah, overall, like it's the same overall architecture as we had before with the neural engine, with a GPU of course, with the CPU, uh, with performance cores and uh, efficiency cores. And it's just all upgraded across the board. And, and I know Rambo that you're not super excited about going into like chip specs because nope. at the end of the day, that's not really what matters. What matters is the actual real life performance. Even though I, I, I find it kind of fun to talk about specs to some extent, but yeah, uh, I also do agree that it's the the real life use cases that matter the most.
1: Yeah, indeed. Uh, and we talked about the uh, OIS in the camera. There's also cinematic mode. Which is really cool. Did you see
0: that, John? I did see it. Uh, It was really, really nice to see. And I think they did a great job to demo it. Like, where they had that... uh, Actually, multiple uh, little mini-movies being shot on an iPhone and showing it off and showing the different techniques used and so on. That was really cool to see.
1: Yeah, indeed. So, basically, this is portrait mode, but for video. But it looks different than portrait mode it looks more advanced uh, and I suspect the same improvements they had to make to in order to make this possible were also made to the photo mode portrait mode which um, was good but could be better definitely especially for subjects that are not people's faces uh, so I'm I'm happy to see this happening and I was really impressed by their demos of course like these demos they have like professional lighting and actors and and professionals doing it so doesn't mean that you are going to be able to get the same results but that the fact that you're able to get that sort of quality from a smartphone is quite incredible
0: yeah absolutely and i was thinking when i saw this my first impression was this looks really really cool but to your point like will I ever use this? And there are so many of these camera features that I never use. And that's not to say that they shouldn't exist. (laughs) I'm sure there are a lot of people who would find them super fun and use them all the time, but I don't take a lot of photos. I definitely don't shoot a lot of video on my phone. So I'm not sure like really how much I will actually use this even though I feel like it's super cool. But then I thought a little bit more about it and I was thinking that maybe if I in the future get back into doing more kind of YouTube videos and maybe I want to film myself, this could be a great camera for that because it could provide that nice blur in the background, uh, which you might want if you're shooting a, a video that looks more a little bit more professional than just having that flat image. So maybe I will use cinematic mode for a future Swift by Sundell vlog or something <laughs> like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I. I... These days, when I see these, these uh, features, including things like center stage, I think of the way I've been using my iPhone camera quite a bit lately, which is with Camo, the, the app Camo on macOS, where you can use your iPhone or your iPad camera as a webcam for video conferencing and things like that. So having those features exposed through something like Camo, at least to me, because that's my use case, is super exciting. Um, Like I can have maybe uh, my background be a little bit more blurred when I do video conferencing and things like that without having to resort to awful software-based solutions from the video conferencing software which never look great.
0: Yeah, they always create like a circle around you (laughs) where it's not blurred and then everything else is blurred. I mean, some of them are better than others, but yeah, in general, I do agree. Indeed. Uh, So this is more, it feels more real, it feels more professional in that sense. And that can be really great also for things like workshops. And, you know, when you're doing a workshop or having a video call, depending on who you're talking to, of course, but you typically don't want people to get too distracted by what's in the background. Yeah. my office is not messy or anything like that, but there's a quite a lot of things here on, on the walls and things like that. And, you know, it might be great to just blur that out a little bit, not for any kind of privacy reason or anything like that, but just more to like, keep the focus on me, Rambo. <laughs> keep the focus on the person who is talking. Yeah, don't look at my mess. <laughs> exactly. So I think that's all for the 13 and 13 Mini, or what do you say, should we move on to the Pro? Sounds good. And I think we already discussed most of the things that are like different, but there are also some photography-specific features. But I think what I am the absolute most excited about, and I'm not sure about you, but I think that you you might feel the same. It's the Pro Motion display. Oh yeah, that's super exciting! I can't wait to have it uh, on on my hands,
1: and and that kind of fixes my disappointment about not having an always-on display. <laughs> so uh, I think that's uh, good enough for me in order to make me want to upgrade just the promotion display itself because I I am a huge fan of promotion on the iPad so I'm really going to enjoy this
0: yeah me too I absolutely love promotion on the iPad pro and also having a variable refresh rate what I feel I feel like sometimes when we talk about the promotion features we tend to focus on the 120 Hertz and the smoothness of it and that is of course really important but the variable refresh rate I feel like, is as important as that, and I'm not exactly sure what increments that the software can can use here. They showed in the in the um, demonstration it was like going to sixty, going to 120, going down all the way to 10 hertz, like 10 frames per second. But for example, I have now um, on my TV it has also support for VRR, a variable refresh rate, and that does a lot to compensate for software lag. Because if you're running typically at 60 frames per second and you have a variable refresh rate, you don't notice so much when you drop frames, which can be really, really great for gaming. And, you know, typically things run pretty smoothly in iPhone apps. But uh, if this could also compensate for some of that by very dynamically reducing the uh, frame rate, I'm not sure if the ProMotion actually does that. I don't think that's the main use case, but that could also perhaps be a cool benefit in the future if that indeed is supported.
1: Yeah, I think the main use case of the promotion is just to make motion feel smoother, right? And, and UI interactions uh, look more smooth, basically. More more like a magazine.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and that it definitely achieves on the iPad. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that on the iPhone as well. And of course, also a... Battery life conserving feature because if you're just looking at a still image, you don't need to render at 120 hertz or even 60 hertz. You can render all the way down to just 10 hertz, which of course saves a lot of battery life, especially when we're talking about OLED. Definitely. One thing though for for our developer friends to keep in mind here is you know when the iPad moved to 120 hertz, uh, sometimes there was some work to be done for developers to make sure that things still run smoothly, especially if you have a lot of complex layout code in something like a collection view or a table view or any kind of list, where, of course, since the iPhone 13 Pro has a more powerful CPU and GPU compared to its predecessors, you might just be completely fine with your existing code, you don't need to do any work, because the system will handle all of those frame rate changes automatically for you. But if you have a lot of heavy computation going on as you're scrolling, and you're now doubling your frame rate that might lead to CPU bottlenecks. Uh, so that's just something to be aware of, like make sure to profile with the devices, and that's a great justification for buying one. <laughs> <laughs> so you can test on that, and then you can make sure that your UI still renders very smoothly when scrolling, especially in complex scroll views.
1: Yeah, and then there there were some announcements during WWDC. I, I mean, not necessarily new things, but some sessions talking about how to improve the performance of lists and things like that so definitely for developer listeners check those sessions out and try to to test your apps uh, whenever possible to make sure that everything runs smoothly
0: yeah absolutely so then there's a bunch of photography features that honestly kind of a little bit go over my head because <laughs> i am not a pro photographer um I, of course, can see what they're showing and it looks very impressive, but I'm not really sure how I will make use of some of these features. So, Rambo, when you saw some of these new photography features, like the new macro photography things, the photographic styles and so on, was that something that like really uh, inspired you or, or what do you felt about th- those announcements?
1: Yeah, one thing I liked about the cameras, I'm pretty sure the ultra-wide one now has a, an f1.8 aperture and... That basically means that there's more light hitting the sensor. It's able to allow more light in. So it's going to be better at low light situations uh, or even normal lighting situations because the current ultra wide is not particularly great. Like it, it's basically only really useful when you're outside. Uh, so I think this will be a, a big improvement. Macro photography is great. Uh, I really like what they show there. And and I'm pretty sure this is the first time ever that an iPhone gets like a dedicated macro photography mode. Uh, so I'm super excited to to check this out. Uh, macro photography is something that I, I'm into. I, I, I like it. Uh, I haven't done it a lot in the past because I used to have The uh, DSLR and I would do some macro photography with it but I don't have it anymore so it's going to be fun to try it with the new iPhone Uh, so I'm I'm excited for that I'm excited to see the types of things that people are going to shoot with uh, the macro photography mode Uh, and in case you don't know that's like taking a picture of something really up close so that you can see a lot of detail and with the current iPhones, if you try to take a picture of something and you're really, really close, the uh, lens basically can't focus on the thing because it's too close. And with macro photography, the thing is that uh, the lens is able to focus on things that are a lot closer, and that's where you get like almost like this quote, microscopic uh, look to, to the picture, depending on what you're photographing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I will definitely try this out in my garden. Maybe take some <laughs> macro photography on my grass. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's almost
1: like when you're a kid and you get a microscope. Uh, right. Of course, it's not the same because it doesn't magnify that much. But it's fun. Like, it's, it's fun to... to See, oh, let's see what, like I don't know, the mesh of the HomePod Mini looks like in, in macro. Uh, it's always fun to, to go in and, and shoot random things with the macro mode to see what happens.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely try that out. And then we had ProRes video support as well. So, you know, very modern formats being supported like Dolby Vision and things like that. Uh, great stuff even in the baseline model as well. ProRes is a big thing. Uh,
1: ProRes is a, a big deal for people who work with video. It's been around for a while and there are quite a few cameras, professional cameras like the um, Blackmagic cameras, they shoot ProRes. Uh, and when you get a ProRes uh, video and you want to like edit it on, on Final Cut Pro or something like that, you can do it super quickly and and in a very performant way because Macs know how to deal with that. So it's good to see these new iPhones supporting ProRes. And I guess that means also that iOS is now going to support ProRes better, which is probably a dependency for them to bring Final Cut Pro to
0: iPadOS someday, maybe. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll see that next year then. Well, we should never stop believing that we will get (laughs) pro level, more pro-level apps on the iPad. That's uh, something I definitely want. (laughs) Believe. Exactly, Ted Lasso style. (laughs) So is there anything else on the uh, hardware announcements or the Apple event itself that you want to talk about? Is there anything else that kind of popped out as something you're excited about from the event besides all of the things we already talked about?
1: I think I'm happy with uh, what we talked about. We'll see what new information comes up. Uh, There are a bunch of new accessories and things like that, which we haven't haven't seen yet. So, yeah, let's see what the future brings. And also, I have a feeling we'll have another event soon-ish. So uh, we probably have a a new poker game coming up.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, don't put away the poker box just yet. Don't (laughs) put away the green felt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So before we wrap up for today, uh, we also should talk a little bit about Xcode 13. We have Mm -hmm. the Xcode 13 release candidate. is available right now as of recording. And uh, Apple has also announced that iOS 15, iPadOS 15, and watchOS 8 are all launching on September 20th, which gives us a few more days than last year, which I'm very, very happy for, because like I mentioned, I have a few client projects where I have iOS 15 updates that I really want to get out before the uh, OS's launch, so thankfully I will get some time to do that this year. Um, two interesting tidbits, uh, of course we haven't had the chance yet to really go through Xcode 13 Release candidates to compare it to the previous beta, but uh, as of today, there is not yet any back-deployment for Swift concurrency features. So all of the new Swift concurrency system, async await, actors, structured concurrency, and so on, requires Apple's latest operating systems still, even though there has been some movement towards making it backward compatible, but that doesn't seem to be ready yet. And Apple hasn't committed to ever making it ready. It's still a work in progress. So we will see what will happen with that in the future. But as of the release candidates, we don't have that yet. And also we don't yet have an SDK for macOS Monterey, which I guess also makes sense because that release date hasn't been announced because you alluded to it earlier, Rambo, we'll probably see a second event within the next few weeks or, or something like that where we will see macOS Monterey also get a release date and an SDK.
1: Yeah, that's kind of weird uh, because like there isn't even a way for you to download the previous Xcode 13 beta. So if you are a Mac developer and you had not downloaded that beta yet, you're screwed, basically. <laughs> like, you can't develop anything for macOS Uh It's kind of weird way to do it. I, I mean, it makes sense for the RC to not have the Monterey SDK because it would have to be the RC SDK, which technically doesn't exist yet. But uh, yeah, good thing I have the beta here already so I can keep working on my Monterey stuff while the uh, RC is not out yet.
0: Maybe Xcode 13 beta 5 will start uh, becoming really expensive on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll get to it. Right. Uh, Well, I think there also might be a new beta train starting uh, soon, right? So probably there will be a few days of limbo where you can't get uh, the SDK, which is weird, like you say, but... Presumably, there will be a new beta train, which will include the Monterey SDK very soon. Yep. But I think that's it for uh, this week's episode of Stack Trace and for our coverage of the California streaming event. Overall, I'm very happy with the event. I thought it was fun. It was well-paced, uh, great announcements. And like I mentioned, I'm very happy to finally upgrade my iPhone X.
1: Yeah, I am super happy in general as well. I'm definitely getting the iPhone 13 Pro. already got the iPad mini. Um uh, and uh, not sure yet about the Apple Watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm th- not sure if I will do any more shopping than the <laughs> 13 Pro, but we will see what's going to happen. And of course, uh, I can't buy it yet, but once the pre-orders open, I will be there, ready, ready to order one. Awesome. And that's it for this week's episode of Stack Trace. So, thanks so much to for listening to this week's episode and thanks um, a lot to imazing for sponsoring. We will talk to you next week. So, say goodbye, Mr. Rambo. Goodbye.